Today is the 228 Peace Memorial Day, which commemorates the victims of violent government crackdowns that started under KMT rule on February 28, 1947. President Tsai Ing-wen and Vice President Lai Ching-te both headed south to take part in two different memorial ceremonies. Tsai went to Jiayi, where she spoke about how transitional justice seeks to redress the wrongs of the past. Lai was in Tainan, where he pledged to continue seeking justice for the victims after he is inaugurated president in May. In the 77th anniversary of the 228 incident, President Tsai Ing-wen traveled south to Jiayi to take part in the central government's memorial ceremony. During the ceremony, Tsai conferred certificates of exoneration upon victims and their families and offered them an apology. During the solemn occasion, Tsai addressed expectations from family members of victims and spoke in her administration's efforts to promote transitional justice. Transitional justice is not about targeting a specific political party. It's about democratic governments taking responsibility for illegal actions and to make amends for the damage caused by a previous authoritarian regime. It's only through processes like these that Taiwan's democratic mechanisms will grow deeper. How many innocent lives were lost? How many families have been broken? This is the pain of the families of victims like us. It's something that will never, ever be forgotten. Participants showed their respects to the victims of the 228 incident by laying flowers on stage one by one. The ceremony was meant to heal wounds and to learn from the past. Now that we live in a democratic and free society, we can commemorate the 228 incident in public. Together, we can reflect on the 228 incident. We must remember that period of history and comfort those who suffered. Meanwhile, Vice President Lai Ching-te took part in a memorial ceremony in Tainan's Xinying district. There, he stressed he'd lead the government on three major projects to right the wrongs of the 228 incident. I will unite the country and the people to defend Taiwan's security. Through constant reflection on the 228 incident, I will lead projects to rebuild the country and transform society. I will continue to promote the redressing of illegal acts committed by our country's government in the past. Tainan Mayor Huang Weijie stressed that although the pain can be relieved, history must not be forgotten. We cannot forget. Let's all remember the path that history has taken. We must remind ourselves of this constantly. Participants held a moment of silence and remembrance for the victims, and Lai extended his condolences to their families. The event concluded with participants laying flowers for the victims on the memorial. Meanwhile, Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an delivered a public apology to the victims and families affected by the 228 incident. The event was supposed to be a peaceful memorial service, but protesters cordoned off outside the venue reminded those at the event that Jiang's ancestry ties him to perpetrators of the violent event. We must not repeat the mistakes of history. As a mayor of Taipei City, I would like to once again express my most sincere apology for all that occurred during the 228 incident. Jiang Wan'an gave a speech in front of family members of 228 incident victims. It was the second year in a row that Jiang, as Taipei mayor, has made a public apology for this violent event. 
This event will serve as a reminder for me to commemorate our elders for what they sacrificed. During my time as the mayor of Taipei City, I will do my utmost to reflect, to meditate, to take what I've learned and make it part of my moral compass to ensure that human rights are respected and that democracy is defended. Zhang's speech may not have veered far from the topic of Taipei government, and even former Taipei mayor Ma Yingzhou attended the ceremony. Inside, it was a calm memorial service, yet things were quite rowdy at the event's perimeter. Wearing black and holding lilies, the group of protesters called on Jiang to apologize for crimes committed by his ancestors. The number of police officers at this year's memorial service in Taipei was increased to 200, yet tension was high, and there were even physical confrontations. Police had set up stanchion posts with rope, and they were holding up warning signs, yet this seemed to only escalate the protesters, who pushed back against the line of police. This year's event overall went pretty smoothly. Of course, there were protesters outside, but I think we showed respect to the families affected and their posterity, which was the premise of today's service. We can respect different opinions and the diversity of different voices. Jiang's second 228 incident memorial service was just as untranquil as last year. Inside, it was peaceful, yet on the outside, furious protesters served as a stark contrast. A doctor in central Taiwan has launched a petition to stop a KMT bill proposal that aims to shorten the naturalization process for Chinese spouses. The KMT plans to introduce an amendment so that Chinese spouses need to wait just four years instead of six before they can obtain Taiwanese citizenship. The doctor says making naturalization easier could undermine Taiwan's health care system as Chinese spouses can register their parents as dependents to take advantage of medical resources in Taiwan. DPP lawmakers have also slammed the bill, saying it could open the door to more national security concerns. The KMT's party headquarters in Yunlin had a New Year's reunion on Wednesday. The event also marked the establishment of a service center for lawmakers Zhang Jiajun and Xu Yuzhen, with a plaque unveiling ceremony led by none other than KMT Chair Eric Chu. Recently, the KMT's Legislative Caucus has proposed an amendment to Article 17 of the Act Governing Relations Between the People of the Taiwan Area and the Mainland Area. The proposal aims to shorten the time that Chinese spouses have to wait to obtain Taiwanese citizenship after marriage, from six years to four. Already, the bill has caused controversy. Du Chengzhe, a doctor from central Taiwan, has launched an online petition to stop the bill. He says the shorter wait times for naturalization could allow more Chinese spouses to abuse Taiwan's healthcare system. Unlike foreign spouses of other nationalities, Chinese spouses can register their parents as dependents, allowing them to seek medical treatment in Taiwan. Du says that many people have heard stories of Chinese spouses telling their parents in China that seeing a doctor in Taiwan is free and convenient, and so they're urging them to travel over for a checkup. The doctor says that although medical professionals are willing to treat patients, Taiwan is currently experiencing a labor shortage and medical resources are stretched thin. As such, he says, lawmakers should think the matter through more carefully before pushing legislation like this forward. In just over one day, the petition garnered nearly 30,000 signatures. 
We all hope to be able to take care of people who need it. We have to take into account healthcare expenditure in relation to our GDP. And at this point, we have yet to see improvements in nurse-to-patient ratios and salaries. With things as they are, I find it perplexing that they would put forward a bill that benefits foreigners. It's a basic human right, and it's a matter of fair treatment. Suspicion, exclusion, and discrimination do not make for a modern Taiwan. If the rules are relaxed a lot, it could cause Taiwan's healthcare system to collapse. Moreover, at this point, there are many national security issues that we should keep an eye on. The matter should be considered from many angles. Personally, I oppose this proposal. A DPP lawmaker says he opposes the bill to shorten naturalization wait times for Chinese spouses. He says the change could allow people to abuse Taiwan's healthcare system and raise national security concerns. Another lawmaker points out that Chinese nationals do not need to give up their original Chinese citizenship to acquire Taiwanese citizenship, unlike foreign spouses of other nationalities. All they have to do is give up their household registration in China. If spouses from other countries have to give up their nationalities, why don't the citizens of the People's Republic of China have to do the same? Why is the KMT's top priority to come up with ways to help China enter Taiwan? The lawmaker says the KMT has underlying motives. Once again, Chinese spouses are set to become a key talking point at the legislature. More than 70 people have been evacuated from their homes in New Taipei's Sanchong District after their apartment buildings started tilting to one side. The two buildings affected are located near a construction site on Fulong Road, which was carrying out underground excavation work. The buildings will have to undergo safety evaluations before residents are allowed back in. Let's hear from an expert. There's no structural damage to the beams and columns. Some residents have reported that the floor is uneven and that it poses some difficulties to living. That'll be the main focus of future efforts. The construction company has caused immense damage to the neighboring buildings in its construction process. Of course, it'll get blacklisted. We ordered the company to shut down operations. And in the future, any projects they undertake will be closely supervised. One of the buildings affected has 11 floors and the tilting is visually perceptible. Previously, the building and the five-floor apartment building next door to it were separated by a space that could fit one person. Now the two buildings are almost touching and big cracks have appeared on the facade. The incident is thought to have been caused by construction workers drilling through a diaphragm wall, causing water to rush in and hollow out the ground underneath the buildings. Have you ever wondered where your lawmaker gets their office furniture? Well, there's a thriving market in secondhand office equipment in the legislative yuan. Each time we elect a new cohort of lawmakers, Outgoing legislators leave their unwanted supplies in the common research building and good items are quickly snatched up. A team of caretakers will even repair items that have some wear and tear. We caught up with lawmaker Su Ching Chen to learn more. Tables, chairs, and cabinets. This is the courtyard of the legislator's research building. It's full of office supplies left behind by former legislators. But much of this equipment is still in good condition. So new legislators often come here to choose items and leave reserved stickers on pieces they like. 
It's first come, first served. The furniture left behind by past lawmakers includes sofas, the first items to be grabbed, as well as desk chairs, which are also in high demand. This black sofa and glass table are sporting reserved stickers from KMT lawmaker Su Qingquan. Here in Su's office, all the desks and chairs are secondhand, even his main desk and bookcases. Lots of the leather is peeling and the table used for entertaining visitors shows signs of wear and tear. We use money extremely sparingly. The office desks, chairs, sofas, everything has been handed down from other legislators. These are all state assets. With each new cohort of lawmakers comes a general clear-out of old furniture. Items in good condition often get reserved by a new owner immediately. Those with some wear may be repaired by the Legislative Yuan Office Management Department, then auctioned off bit by bit. Only items that are unsalvageable will be sent to the tip. No legislator would want to be seen undervaluing furniture that has been bought with taxpayers' money. An updated version of Apple Maps didn't get much fanfare than usual in Taiwan, but across the strait, Weibo's top search result, Taiwan Province, became a hot topic. A peek inside China's new version of Apple Maps shows what the commotion is all about. The words Taiwan Province are written over the island of Taiwan. And members of the public on both sides of the strait were more than happy to share their views on this contentious issue. On February 27th, Weibo's top search rankings had over 3 million results for a familiar yet controversial name, Taiwan Province. This contentious name's rise to number one on the charts caught Taiwanese off guard. A look inside the iPhone's recently updated Apple Maps for China's market shows what the fuss is all about. Taiwan province is written over the island of Taiwan. I think this is just them getting excited over nothing. In the real world, it's a simple matter that we don't belong to them. Over there, they have their own political reasons, so we can't be too demanding because we don't have any control over what they do. Compared to flabbergasted Taiwanese, many Chinese internet users were so excited about the change that they posted comments online. One said the name should have been like this all along, while another was happy to announce that the names of Autonavi Software and Baidu were updated to show Taiwan Province as well. But then some Chinese netizens took a self-mocking approach. One user pointed out that Apple is surely clever enough to have two different names for Taiwan, one within the Great Firewall and one outside of it. Another user reminded readers that in the virtual world, he used to falsely claim that an entertainment star he had a crush on was his girlfriend. So he believes Chinese are essentially lying to themselves. At the end of the day, China's market is quite big, with many people having their investments there and people are doing business in China. So sometimes you have no choice but to do what they want to do. The data for Apple Maps is primarily provided by Dutch location technology company TomTom. But China's government policy has put restrictions into place, which has resulted in Apple Maps having two data suppliers in the Chinese market, China's own Autonavi software and Hong Kong's MapKing. But in other countries, Apple Maps still shows Taiwan without the word province alongside it. It seems that even in Maps software, there seems to be one Taiwan with respective interpretations.
Kaohsiung Port's cruise terminal hasn't even reached its one-year anniversary, yet today it achieved a new milestone as it welcomed not one but two cruise ships to the port, the Norwegian Jewel and Oceania Riviera. The ships arrived at 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. this morning, and in just one hour, 3,300 passengers descended on the city. In order to ensure that customs flowed smoothly, the terminal increased the amount of staff on duty. Let's hear from a port official. Usually, we have two x-ray machines operating upstairs and downstairs. We may increase that to four or five x-ray machines. We'll have double the staff on duty as compared with before. I think separating passengers into the first and second floors works well. That is, different ships are on different floors. It's less chaotic for passengers too. The Kaohsiung Port Cruise Terminal opened on March 6 last year and can accommodate the world's largest 250,000-ton cruise ships. Port officials say cruise ships will make a total of 159 stops at the port, bringing about 220,000 people to the southern city. On several occasions, two ships will dock at the port on the same day. Today, we take you to meet award-winning Hakka singer Huang Zixuan. Over his 12-year career, he's dedicated himself to telling stories about Hakka culture and has experimented with various genres. Earlier this month, he released his first album. Our very own Stephanie Yang met up with Huang to find out more. Wearing a yellow suit, Huang Zixuan performs a song from its new album that's being launched at a press event. This song was inspired by Hong Kong tea culture. To produce his new album, Huang invited young music producers to get involved, including The Crane, an award-winning musician. The themes we often wrote about when producing Hakka music were things from the past, such as hometowns or rivers. However, I want to write about Hong Kong in the Hakka language. I also hope that my music can bring a new twist to Hakka music. When I heard Zixuan's demo, I thought, wow, the lyrics and music are well written. I was moved. Huang's improvised soul vocals are inspired by folk songs and rhythm and blues. He's also known for combining traditional folk songs, rock, and eastern and western instruments. His new album combines neo-soul, R&B, lo-fi, bossa nova, electronic folk, and other genres, breaking away from his previous style. This album contains a lot of things like R&B, soul or reggae. I need to make some adjustments to the feel and the way I sing. I hope to use an old style that belongs to Hakka, evolve it and put a modern twist on it. Huang is a two-time Golden Melody Award winner. With the release of his first album, Huang hopes to explore traditional and contemporary Hakka neo-soul music. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hong Guokai in Taipei. A charity event in Jilong saw Squid Pizza raising money for animal protection. 
The seasonal squid catch was put on pizza to raise money for the ROC Animal Protection Association. Young squid are an important part of fishing culture in northern Taiwan. The event aimed to give locals a winter banquet with a twist. Soft dough is rolled out and spread with pizza sauce. Cheese, bell peppers, and sweet corn go on, followed by fresh seasonal squid. It's into the oven and then ready to eat. We use number three squid, so they have the right texture. You need to be determined to get a piece, though. The cheese is melted to stringy perfection. With the whole chewy squid as the centerpiece, a bite of this pizza is a savory delight. We're sending our compassion to all corners. The money we raise from the charity event today will be given to the ROC Animal Protection Association. Geelong Fishing Association and Xiehe Power Plant jointly launched this charity auction of wood-fired squid pizza to raise money for animal protection. Rescued animals need lots of support in the middle of winter. Advanced bookings came in thick and fast, with many companies and agencies making group bookings. Less than an hour after the event was announced, all 200 tickets had been sold. They sold out soon after we put them up. I managed to get five tickets. I put my hand up for them straight away. You have to give them to me, I said. Today, being here, I can't believe how fresh it is. Neritic squid are an important seafood product for northern Taiwan. The season generally starts in March. Geelong Fishing Association is using agricultural education to promote local catch. At this event, colleagues and volunteers all came out to put the limited edition seasonal squid on the pizza. They want to keep prices reasonable for local people, while offering a chance to enjoy the fine local catch and contribute to charity.